Hello, everyone. This is Trevor with D-Time Reports. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode. Um, obviously, you see the title of this episode, 9-3, and three, baby. Best record since 1962. The Detroit Lions finally um, are able to kind of make some headlines in that regard, showing that this club is going to be sustainable, hopefully, for years to come and can at least be competitive, you know, something we've never seen out of Detroit, um, especially their football team. Um, I, I know the Pistons are historically shit right now, but at least if you're listening from Detroit, you have something to look forward to with your football team. Getting into this game, the Detroit Lions traveled down to New Orleans to battle the, uh, at the time, 5-6 and six New Orleans Saints. And you know what? To start the game, the Lions scored three touchdowns in the first seven minutes, The first, one of three teams since 2000, um, and the other two teams to do it were like the 0,000 excuse me, the 2000 Raiders and the 2010 Raiders, which is a weird thing. Um, then they stuttered, stalled, uh, and then the Saints fought their way back with good play from not only Taysom Hill, but overall their defense really showed up. And Caden said something to me a couple weeks ago, and he's like, dude, every team that faces the Lions on the field, they're going to be giving them their, their A game every week. Every team is going to be coming at this team's throat because – it's kind of the club to, to beat, in a sense. Um, not saying they're as good as the Niners or the, the, the Cowboys or uh, the Eagles, but this team still has a lot to prove, but they've battled through adversity, injury, suspect play calling and play, and they're able to you know win these games. And in the past two years, we would not have been able to win this type of game. Absolutely not. Uh, breaking down some of the, the match stats here, Detroit had a little over 20, uh, a little over 27 minutes of time of possession. The Saints had 32 minutes, um, 18 first downs for the Lions, 23 for the Saints. Total yards 347 for the Lions, 362 for the Saints. Passing yards 205 for the Lions, 249 for the Saints. 142 rushing yards for the Lions, 113 for the Saints. Six penalties on each side. Total return yards Lions. At 71 compared to the Saints, 48 total plays, 56 compared to 67. The Saints take that. Yards per play, the Lions 6.2, 5.4 for the Saints, and two total turnovers from the Saints as well. Um, I would just like to obviously, since this game just literally happened today, it's still fresh on the mind. Um, there was some outstanding play from our rookies, and they really showed up today and really did what we all expect them to do. If it's from Brian Branch's second one-handed pick of the year to Jack Campbell stepping up, making those tackles, or if it's to Sam Laporta solidifying the argument that he is a top five tight end in the league right now. He had a monstrous game, 140 receiving yards, uh, the single game record, receiving yard record for a tight end for the Lions. So that's awesome to see him setting records for the team that took a shot on him, you know? And another guy I would like to shout out um, is Jalen Reeves Maven. He had like five special teams tackles and he had a great disrupting play and they sent him in um, on like a third down and he was a blitzer and he had great disruption. Um, everyone that had to step up today that normally hasn't this season did, but there were some letdowns. Hutch and our pass rush really suffered. Ali McNeil got injured a bunch this game and he's probably going to miss next week, but we really need to we really need to create a pass rush. That's our biggest issue. I mean, Brian Branch, Cam Sutton, Jerry Jacobs, those guys can play as good as they want all day, but it doesn't matter if we cannot generate pressure. 
if we we're unable to do that, then any quarterback, even a Derek Carr, even a Taysom Hill, a Jameis Winston, for example, could go and dice us up. And I wanted to kind of touch base with this idea or, I guess, thought I've had. Our defense is fucking terrible. Like, it's really bad. We play zone coverage way too much. And when we start getting exposed in zone coverage, we seem to just think that sending the blitz every play is going to work. But Derek Carr, especially when he was playing in the game before he got injured, um, getting the ball out quick and just even if it's to a flat route or a safety valve kind of player, like that, that those kind of chips and chunks, that, that takes away from our momentum and it takes away from, I, I guess, overall stamina and conditioning of our defense because our guys get tired they get slow they get burnt um brian branch had a really nice game overall just i can't speak highly enough about him um tracy walker had some really nice plays um getting to the offensive side of the ball i talked about sam laporta already just doing what he does best and he is that safety valve he is the definition of a safety valve but he's also so useful in the run game as well he's a really good blocker um we saw Jamison Williams get more involved this week as well. He had a nice opening drive catch, I believe it was. And then um, throughout the game, they were just kind of trying to get him targets, get him involved in the scheme, and you know, to seal off the, the game in a sense. He kind of had that nice end-around touchdown where he shot himself out of a cannon in a sense. Um, really awesome to see that speed on display. Um, and, and we need to utilize him more in that kind of aspect. Get him around, get him on the outside, get, utilize his speed. You know, if we're going to do trick plays with anyone, that's the guy I want to do trick plays with because he has that insane speed that is hard to match. Even on, you know, some of the better teams in the NFL, they don't have guys fast, like, like fast enough to be able to, to stop that, you know, and it's dangerous. And once we're able to kind of unlock that, um, I guess, door to, to get into the, the juicy deep play action plays, the the comeback routes, like all that good stuff that we're used to seeing those incredibly gifted receivers doing on a consistent basis. I can't wait to see it with Jameson Williams because he still showcases that that physical, that talent that he has. Um, but it's really just all going to be coming down to in these final coming weeks of December and um, obviously playoff time. Let's see what he can do. You know, we'll see what the development um, and the coaching has got, you know, in a sense, out of him. I think, you know, he's definitely not having a traditional come up in the, in the league, but I think it might take a little, you know, the, the patience, we've been patient with him, obviously, but it, it might be like one of those late blooming type things where he has a, a coming onto the scene game in the playoffs this year, or maybe like week 17 or week 18. I don't know, but this kid has all the talent in the world to be something special. And I'm just waiting every weekend to, to see it for sure to be 100% sure on this guy. Um, getting into the rush attack today, Jameer Gibbs was electric, as usual, just making shifty plays, bouncing off tackles. He's really hard to bring down. Like, for a guy that you would expect to be just that that uh, speed outlet, that change of pace back, he is very powerful. He's a very strong individual. And, I mean, bringing him down, just guys just seem to bounce off him. It's weird. It's very weird. But... Um, Getting into the other aspect of a rush attack with David Montgomery, who had a really nice game, did drop that big third and 10 um, 
pass where Goff had to improvise, you know, run out to the right side, and he just kind of dropped it. But other than that, very, very productive game from David Montgomery. Um, I would like to see maybe some more out of Jameer Gibbs, honestly, as the season's going on. I can kind of see, okay, David Montgomery's kind of slowing down a little bit. I'm not trying to say that about a professional athlete, obviously, but, you know, the attrition takes into effect. And I didn't see as many of those big plays as I did earlier on in the season with David Montgomery. Um, and, you know, he still is a very good running back, but I would like to see some of that, you know, the the, the, the touches and the reps, maybe a little bit more going towards Jameer, maybe a 60-40, 70-30 type deal because Jameer, you know, he's still, it looks like he hasn't lost a step at all this year. Um, and I would just like to see him the focal point. I mean, he's been a focal point of like two games when, when David Montgomery missed that uh, that little stretch with that rib injury. Um, we saw what Jameer was and what he could do by himself as a premier back, but that was still early on. Now I feel like he's ready in rhythm. Uh, his legs are warm, warmed up and ready to go, and I feel like he could definitely be that premier back when that time is out, when that time is called. Um, and then Amon Ra, St. Brown, obviously a very nice game. He was getting locked up a little bit here and there, but he had the touchdown. Um, had some nice catches here and there. He's just always going to be a very reliable receiver for Jared Goff and overall this offense. Um, other guys that stood out, Josh Reynolds only had one catch this game, and it was the final, I guess, real play of the game, unless you count two knees uh, plays. But um, it was the fourth down, and uh, no, it was third down, and this was to kind of like seal the game. But if they got it back, they would still have a chance. But um, Jared scrambles up in the pocket, evading pressure, evading the sack, and then on, takes a hit, but on the hit, he releases the ball to Josh Reynolds, and of course, the first catch of the game is when it was most needed um, <laughs> that late in the fourth quarter, and he comes up with the grab and, you know, gets us the first down, and then we, you know, take two knees and we win the game. I just want to give New Orleans Saints fans props. I mean, the Saints came out and played one hell of a game, didn't bat an eye to being down 21-0. They still wanted to play and fight hard. And Alvin Kamara is a dog. He is a dog. He needs to be, I wish he was, uh, you know, on the team, um, on the Saints squads when Breeze was in his prime. You know, Kamara with a franchise quarterback would be deadly. It, it would be. He's just never had that luck of the draw, especially in New Orleans, especially these past couple of years where they've been kind of lackluster. And it's turning out to be one of those seasons again falling to five and seven and allowing Atlanta to kind of get that game edge on you in the division. The Saints just don't look like they're going to be trending upwards. They they would, they would have, and they would have been if they won this game. And despite what I'm going to say here, if Derek Carr was in this game, I think they would have won the game. If he played the entire game, I think they would have won. Our defense was playing that poorly, um, at least up front. Uh, Bruce Irvin, veteran, 36-year-old, former Seattle Seahawk, uh, his debut gets a sack, but other than that, there wasn't much pressure. Josh Pascal recovered a fumble that was a botched, you know, snap. But other than that, it was just a very, very like porous game, especially called by Aaron Glenn. I just, I just don't want to resort back to 2021 and 2022 seasons with our defense, because my thought, what I, what I was originally getting to about maybe five, six minutes ago. Um, was the fact that I am scared of this uh, of my defense. I'm scared of the Lions defense, not in a good way. The fact that three quarterbacks being alternated in from the Saints could do what they did today, put up 28 points. I mean, I'm scared. 
you know, what what's a really good quarterback going to do to us? Like a really, like a Jalen Hurts or a Dak Prescott. Not saying Patrick Mahomes isn't a really good quarterback. Obviously, that game was very, that was a nail-biter. Week one performance between the Lions and the Chiefs. But going into the playoffs, it's a different animal. The dogs are the dogs. The guys that have been there before, you can tell who they are. You really can. Uh, and, and it's going to be a little bit of a a learning curve, I think, for not only Lions fans, but this Lions team. I'm scared that we are not going to be able to hold our own against some of these elite offenses, these prolific passing offenses that get the ball out quickly on time to playmakers better than even the Saints that had. And that thought scared me because if we have to play the Ravens, if we have to play the Cowboys, if we have no, not the Ravens, they're in the AFC, excuse me. If we have to play the Cowboys, the Eagles, the Niners, those quarterbacks will destroy that secondary if there is no pressure being created. I mean, if the simple recipe for this Lions defensive line is double Aiden Hutchinson every fucking play, no one else is going to get home. And if they do, it's a rare, you know, one-off occasion. That's what it seems like. Romeo Aquara had a good sack in this game as well, but I, I wanted more pressure consistently. You know, on the drop-back passes and the play action, where... Where are our pristine edge rushers? Where is our youth? Where's that talent that I've been talking so much about and seeing so much of for the past three years? It's just coming down to coaching at this point. We have the guys. We do. Uh, I just think that if it's going to be anything to blame at the end of this season, as a Lions fan, it will be the defense. It will be. And I think we're seeing that more and more, especially the past four weeks. I mean, look back to the Chargers game. What won the game? Jared Goff to Brock Wright. Go back to the Bears game. What won them the game? Last two, like two scoring drives in the final two minutes, three minutes. Why did we lose the Packers game? Obviously turnovers from Jared Goff. But also the legitimate USFL defense we were running against the Packers on Thanksgiving. And then we come out here. We go up 21-0. Should be coasting. Should be absolutely coasting. But the defense couldn't get the stops. They kept staying on the field. It would like this team for it to go smoothly in a game where it's like dominating fashion. The Lions need to have perfect pace on each side of the ball. Their offense needs to be clicking with not only the rush attack being used probably more, but smart play action passing eating up time of possession so you can get your defense off the field. Keep them off the field, for fuck's sake. The offense is the cleanest unit out there. Get the run game going. Get the short pass to intermediate play action going. Get that in rhythm. When Jared's in rhythm in that game, in, in that aspect of the game, it's going to be a lights-out performance. Um, but we were not able to always do that because sometimes... Our defense will literally allow the opposing offense to go on a seven-minute fucking drive with Taysom Hill coming in and out of the game. Like, that can't happen. That can't happen. This game is going to be dissected by uh, opposing NFC offenses, um, especially down the line. They're going to want to know the secret. You know, okay, Aaron Glenn's unit's a little weaker than Ben Johnson's. We have the defense figured out, but let's figure out this offense. And if you give any team any kind of advantage – especially when one unit is bad, they're going to focus on the other unit even more. It's going to bring the whole team down. And that's what I'm scared of. 
especially going into the playoffs for the first time since 2016, if they're able to go. I mean, it's looking like they're going to be able to go 9-3. and three. It's looking like a lock at this point, three-game lead in the division. Um, it, it just scares me because just imagine going up against like a Brock Purdy in the playoffs, you know, like they're going to be airing that shit out. Debo's going to be going insane. If Hutch can't get home and pressure Brock Purdy, and he has clean time and perfect amount, perfect amount of time to allow those deep routes to develop, to allow the play action to, to get in rhythm, to be able to utilize that on second and shorts and you know, even first downs, if you're feeling ballsy. But I will say this about Dan Campbell in this game. He called a clean game. Um, no risky calls, no risky business here and there. Um, just a very clean game by Dan Campbell. Kept his guys, you know, in the game. Didn't do anything to set them back, in a sense. Um, ben Johnson called one hell of a game as well. Out of out of halftime, we didn't make the proper adjustments on either side of the ball. That's why we stuttered here and there. But I feel like towards the end of the game, you really got to see which club was obviously better. Um, obviously. You want to see this be a way different scenario. Obviously, 31 to like 14 seemed more accurate going into this game. But again, uh, with the way our defense has been playing the past month, it's just looking like that might be the anchor of this team. Um, it just really is not full sound football on that side of the ball. I mean, Kirby Joseph made some good plays here and there. Had a really nice, um, perfectly timed contact to break up a pass in the fourth quarter. But just our zone coverage and our zone scheme, they're just there's way too many big gaps in the field left open. And any quarterback, it seems, can just put a spotlight on that flaw. And we aren't playing the best football on defense. We're not by any means. But we're not putting our players in position to succeed either. Like, I want to see us on man more. Like, please, please let Brian Branch be able to, you know, I mean, again, those that kind of pick wouldn't be able to happen if there wasn't zone coverage because there wouldn't be a defender kind of lurking in that area. But let's just – got to switch something up. Something has to change on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, the stats weren't, you know, godlike from the Saints on offense, but they shouldn't have been the way they were to, to begin with. Uh, Derek Carr started out terribly, obviously 0 of 3 and a pick to start the game. Then he kind of – then he had like 12 straight completions before he got sent out of the game after Bruce Irvin sacked him and then he had like a back and rib thing. But this is like the third time Derek Carr has been, you know, he left the game early. I don't know what they're going to do with that four-year contract. And even Logan was talking about it during the game. He's like, dude, they might be fucked for the next couple of years. I mean, they, they probably don't have an easy out on that Derek Carr contract. Not going to sit here and say that Derek Carr has been the only reason and only issue with this team. But if they're not going to fire the coach, then it starts at quarterback, right? It's It has to. They're not winning games. They're not scoring enough points. They were really good in the red zone today, but weeks prior, awful. I mean, terrible red zone percentage. They were damn near perfect against the Lions, which that's, again, another scary point to bring up. Um, and if we're not creating a pass rush going into Chicago next week, it's going to be a very scary thought allowing Justin Fields to load up his cannon and fire away to DJ Moore, who has a damn near perfect QBR when throwing to him. Not DJ Moore himself, but quarterbacks that throw to DJ Moore have a damn near perfect QBR 
The dude is catching and making plays with anything thrown his way. Who's locking that down next week? Especially if the only one kind of creating pressure against the fucking Saints is a 36-year-old former Seattle Seahawk who obviously still has something there, but he's a 36-year-old vet. I want to see Hutch in there. I want to see more TFLs. I can't wait for James Houston to come back. I think that's a guy that we have not talked about enough on this podcast because his impact on this team is huge. It is fucking huge. He is a specialty third down player, but I really think he could mold himself into being a all-purpose pass rusher. He has the intangibles. He has the physical measurements. He is literally everything we want to kind of help out Josh Pascal and Aiden Hutchinson on the edges. Have a guy to overload that side, right or left, doesn't matter. Help one or the other out. I can't wait for that to come back, as well as C.D. Duke. C.J. Gardner-Johnson coming back to the secondary is going to be a massive, like, injection of, like, not only confidence, but I feel like the game, like, the game might simplify itself for some of our younger players in the secondary, as well as we might appear more physical, because C.D. Deuce talks more shit than anyone in the league, and it's for a reason. I mean, he was on a Super Bowl appearance team last year. Let's kind of instill that energy and culture into this defense, because it needs to make a 180 change up before playoff time, because we can't play, we can't play the Cowboys like this. We can't play the Eagles like this. We can't play... Fuck, bro. I mean, you name it, bro. Like, the Falcons, if they come in and have, like, a revenge game against us, I don't know, with the rush attack. I mean, our defense is the glaring problem. And if you say otherwise as a Lions fan, you're not watching the games, nor do you even know football. You can sit back there and shit on Goff all you want, and I didn't even talk about him having a phenomenal game. The plays he was making were great. He was throwing lasers all over the field, and then again, just talking about that last play, escaping the rush, escaping that that pressure, his pocket awareness was on fucking point today. In fact, it was probably the cleanest game we've probably seen out of Goff this year in terms of playing it safe with the ball, but also taking those intermediate shots, getting JMO involved, getting out there to block for him even. I, I, I think that you really have to take into account, obviously, the NFL in football in general, is a team sport. Everything kind of has to click for it to go your way. For the ball to bounce your direction, for you to be semi-lucky or somewhat lucky, you got to show that you can execute. Our offense, three out of the last four games that we genuinely should, the four last four games, including the same, we should have lost. Back to the Chargers, we should have lost. Bears, should have lost. Packers, we did lose. Today against the Saints, we should have lost. And it was because of our defense. It was absolutely because of our defense. Our offense never is out of the fight. It is never out of the fight. No matter who they are playing, they are never going to stop. Goff can throw three picks and do what he did against the Bears. Fucking comeback win. <laughs> like a 17-point like a comeback win in four minutes. And they win the game. It doesn't matter to this team what individual stat lines look fucking shit, what looked good, who looks the best. Things have to perfectly mend for this team because this team has been built off of a fundamental principle of culture can change everything. And that's true. It is. Damn. If it wasn't, they wouldn't be 9-3 and three right now. Because you know what? You ask any NFL analyst 
after the 2021 season where Jared Goff, they went 313-1. Everyone's saying, oh, Goff's not even going to start next year. Goff's not even, no, no don't, I don't even want to hear it. Because everyone was just dogging this man, throwing him in the trash, throwing him in the gutter. And then he got better. He got better. Nine and eight, okay. Sent, sent Aaron Rodgers home in his last game as a Packer. Okay, kind of historical, low-key. No playoff appearance yet, though. But okay, nine and three. Nine and three looks good. It looks good, but oh, this game he threw three picks. But what about the game he threw four touchdowns? What about the game he threw three touchdowns? What about the game where he won them the game that throw to the, that throw to Brock Wright against the Chargers? Like you're all cheering and 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 dick riding then, but when things look rough again, I know understand this is sports and just people and society in general, but man. I'm on Twitter. I'm looking at Woodward Sports, and I got to call y'all out. Y'all are some hypocrites, bro. That's the team y'all cover, and y'all, like, don't even, like, and this affects reporting and, like, genuine media, in my opinion. Like, when you just stick to a take, it's just so much easier to legitimately, like, actually respect and (laughs) maintain credibility. But if you're one of those flip-floppers week to week, which I've never seen more people do that than Detroit Lions fans, like, oh, we're fucking shit. Fuck, we're back. Shit. Same old Lions. Jared Goff. Jared Goof. Those same people keep their fucking mouth shut when the Lions do what they just did today. Wasn't pretty. But did Jared lose them the game? Did he have a bad throw, a bad play? You know, it's funny. I even saw someone break down a play. Look at this Jameson Williams wider. He's about to come open on his crosser route. There's a guy in Jared Goff's lap about to destroy him. And he's going to make that, that, that out route to Josh Reynolds. Bad throw. Good read on that play. But did he throw a pick? Did he blow the game? It's like literally every little detail is broken down, especially with Jared Goff and Lions fans. And it's, it's actually fucking annoying because you're, I'm like, can you guys break down the defense the way you break down this play that you're not even breaking it down properly because you don't know ball? You're just saying things and it's catching a few likes because it's funny. Or like, it's, oh, well, that's true. Look at that. You know, it's like, bro, stop. Like, you don't know the game, nor do you even appreciate the team you apparently root for. I hate that shit. I really do. You have to be neutral and unbiased when it comes to, oh, the performance of your team. Absolutely, 100%. There's a respect factor in there, in my opinion. Not only respect, but legitimately not being hypocritical when you are. Like, it, it's one thing to say, oh, Jared Goff, you know, the last two games were rough for him. But what about the four rough games from Brock Purdy? Like, the pedestrian game Brock had against the, the Cleveland Browns earlier in the year. The man's still being considered an MVP. Like, I don't understand that. Or Jalen Hurts after this game. I want to hear the same kind of criticism that Jared Goff gets on Jalen Hurts, on some of these other quarterbacks that never take the heat. Granted, because they are a part of winning organizations, the past few years, the Lions have been trying to get to that point. But even in the win, people are still bitching about Goff. It's like, bro, what? In a win, if Jalen threw three picks, it's he won MVP. <laughs> Look what Jalen did. It's just annoying to me, like the, the hypocrisy, 
I guess, of sports and media. And that's why at Tea Time Reports, we genuinely bring you the raw takes and the authentic ones. So we hope you really appreciate that. And honestly, shout out to any Detroit Lions fan out there. If you're a real one, fuck yeah. And also, shout out to the Lions in general. 31. No, excuse me. It was 33 to 28. Yes, sir. And honestly, they could have won. They could have come back and won. They really were looking like they were going to. But shout out to the Lions for coming in and doing what they had to do in New Orleans. Getting that, you know, away win. They have another one to look forward to in Chicago. Um, real quick, I'm going to I'm gonna guess that game. I, I, this, is a, this is a tough one. It really is because the Bears should have won the first matchup of the season. Do I think the Bears are going to let them come into Chicago and win? Yes, I do. I thought about it for a second, and I was like, the way they played last time, no way. No way it's... No way they're going to let us win in Chicago. But then I realized and remembered that Matt Eberflus is still employed. So I think I'm going to stick with my safe selection of Detroit Lions winning that game. I'm going to guess the score. It's going to be 26-14 to 14, Detroit. Yeah, I'll go with that. I like that. I think Justin Fields is going to have a great game and continue to prove why he should you know, be the, the quarterback for the Bears, even though I was wishy-washy on him at the beginning of the season, but now I'm starting to see, like, okay, this guy, you know, he has the intangibles, but he just needs the coaching and the scheme and the structure around him to elevate his play. He's a scary individual that the Lions will have to play twice a year for years to come, if that is the case, if he does stay with Chicago. But I don't think that they're going to come away with the win against the Lions this time, but definitely, you know, rivalry is ruined here, and uh, it, it's going to be a heated game for sure, close in moments, but I think it's really going to come down to the rush attack, time of possession, as well as maybe a second-half turnover, kind of causing a momentum shift, if you will. But uh, everyone out there, thank you so much for tuning in to my Detroit Lions coverage. 9-3, and three, baby. Let's go 10-3. and three. Let's, let's get there. Let's do it. Dan Campbell's the guy to, to, to bring this one, you know? And, you know, getting on later into the season, I will kind of go into playoff implications and, you know, guesses and stuff like that and some more in-depth postseason talk. But obviously it being uh, week 13 that we just passed, you know, and there's all, still week 13, Monday Night Football. If you're listening to this on Monday, the 4th, got a uh, shit game tonight. Uh, the Bengals and their backup quarterback will be playing uh, the Ravens. So that's a free win for the Ravens. Another thing that I would like to just quickly say before anything, make sure all of you guys are subscribed to the YouTube channel at Tea Time Reports, as well as you're following all of our social media platforms on everything from TikTok to Instagram to Twitter slash X to Threads. All of that would be greatly appreciated if you show some love and support on there. And if you have any constructive criticism or suggestions, definitely DM us or IM us on all those platforms. It would be pretty cool to see some more interaction with some of the fans out there. If there's anything we can do better, bring more to you guys, definitely let us know. But this is Trevor with Tea Time Reports, and this is the Detroit Lions 9-3 episode, baby. 9-3. you got to be hyped about that. Jared Goff leading this team. Dan Campbell leading this team. Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery, the double-headed Russian attack, doing what they've been doing. Then you got the defense that have been kind of dragging their ass a little bit, but, you know, sometimes they make damn good plays. Like Brian Branch, I really believe he... He, he is something special. He's going to be something very special for this team for years to come. 
Um, and I, I heard Jimmy Johnson say this again before I wrap this up. Jimmy Johnson said this after the game. We all know C.J. Stroud, you know, number one in Rookie of the Year. But what about Sam Laporte? What about Sam? You know, what about Sam Laporte? I don't know why I was doing a uh, Southern accent there, probably just for Jimmy Johnson, but shout out to him for saying that about Sam Laporta because he deserves some credibility for sure. He's having a historically great rookie tight end season. Again, this is Trevor with T-Time Reports signing out. Everyone, stay safe and stay awake out there. Let's go Lions. One pride, baby.